Broadcasting live from an airstream somewhere in Tornado Alley, bringing you the people, places, and stories from the Panhandle to the Red River. This is your Only in Oklahoma show. And welcome to the show. It's Oklatober. Yes, that time of year again. Harley loves it when I say that. We're headed somewhere that we may never come back from. It's the Oklahoma Bermuda, Oklahoma Bermuda Triangle. Does that make sense? Kind of. It does. But we got to talk to our buddy who made sense of all of it. That's right, our buddy Bo Llewellyn. I'm Brett. And I'm Harley. Yeah, so the interview coming up is about Beaver Dune State Park in Beaver, Oklahoma. Uh It has garnered the The title. The title of Oklahoma's Bermuda Triangle. Uh, You know, UFOs, aliens. Beavers. Maybe. No, there's no beavers. Coronado's lost gold. That's what they say. They say Coronado, some of Coronado's soldiers actually saw the green, this green light and all these things happen. They were, and they were never seen again. Yeah, but this is not the X Files. This, this is, is not. in fact, the only an okay the show. Files. And I think the Oklahoma, only the okay. files. <laughs> the only an okay files. Uh, but anyway, check out the interview <laughs> right now. Joining us today is accomplished author, investigator, and fellow truth seeker, and hopefully he can shed some light on the legend and lore of the Shaman's Portal in the Beaver Dunes in Beaver Sands, Oklahoma. It's Bo Llewellyn. Bo, welcome to the show. It's really an honor to be here. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. So, Bo, just a real quick, you seem to take a really different approach to investigating odd places, odd locations. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you're at? From an investigation standpoint? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So we our team does do this a lot differently than most do. So like when you watch paranormal shows on TV, which generally brings feelings inside of me of like wanting to throw up because it's just terrible mm-hmm. the way that they present it. It creates a false narrative for people that are real investigators. And so one of the things that you'll never hear on those shows is them getting in front of the clients and saying, so what kind of medications are you on? Are you diagnosed with any psychiatric issues? And as crazy as that sounds to sit in front of somebody and ask that, you save your team a whole lot of grief and you don't put them in danger because, like, if you two were on my team, one of the things I would do is ask the potential client those questions. And if they answer yes to any of those, then to bring my team into a place where a bipolar is having an episode or perhaps they're doing meth or something like that, that's not safe. You remove a lot of layers from an investigation. So like our team handles anywhere between 18 and 24 on average cases per year of those. Only about 5% of those actually get investigated because you'll get reports in, strong reports. And then as you start drilling down, you find out that, okay, wait a minute, this is an unfortunate person and is having like a psychotic episode and what they need is professional care. They don't need a paranormal team coming in and fictionalizing some evidence and just leaving that client now with even more reasons to feel like that they're out of control. So essentially, so, oh, I'm sorry, Bo, go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. So essentially you do, it's a almost a psychological analysis slash psychological forensics before you even bring equipment in. Absolutely. In fact, it took me eight years to get a sit-down conversation with the exorcist in Oklahoma that is commissioned by the Catholic Church. He's been doing it in Oklahoma for 10 years, eight years of that. His name is Monsignor Patrick, and I've been trying, uh, tried and tried to get a conversation with him because they use a lot of the same techniques that I use when doing interviews with people, which is 
they have a year-long interview process. It doesn't matter if there's things floating around the house. People are walking backwards on top of the ceiling. It doesn't matter. The Catholic Church mm-hmm. demands a one-year psychological review before they'll uh, authorize an exorcism. My conversation with him did take place thanks to the archbishop. Last year, I had breakfast with him an hour and a half long, and we shared notes. And at the end of it, we seemed like we used more similar techniques than dissimilar. My methodologies have provided me conversations that a lot of people don't get to have with professionals in this industry that usually don't reach out to the general public. And it's because of my sensitivity to their lack of disclosure of individuals' problems that has given me that kind of insight. So whenever I am trying to work a case, the first thing I do is think safety first. And then I start trying to eliminate problems. Because if you have, for instance, let's say that, and I've had this a couple of times where you have an elderly person in a house and they call a random paranormal team in Oklahoma or just in the United States and they say, I'm seeing lights in the rooms and I'm, it seems to be connected to my dead husband and they're scared to death and a team comes in there and they're calling orbs evidence, which they're not, and they're using ghost boxes, which is just pseudoscience, and they're ramping up the stress and anxiety in this elderly person and they leave saying, hey, we did get evidence and now they left. And this elderly person is terrified because they're feeling like that their house is haunted when in actuality, if they tapped on the light bulb in one of the rooms, they find out you have a short. You find out that this person may, if they did an intense research on it, that the person is on medication because they're having delusional episodes because they're freaking elderly, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you can go in there and have, you know, sit down with them, you bring in their family and you're saying, this is what this person has said. Can we address this as a family? And then they get handed off to a counselor and you can help alleviate that. So our job, because what we do is so intensive and scientific and it approaches it from both a magical and a scientific standpoint, because our team is, even though I sound like I'm a debunker, I'm not. I, I believe in magic. I believe that there are ghosts out there and that there's uh because I've seen and experienced things. However, by taking away the BS and creating avenues where clients can feel more secure in their home first, because you're able to go in there and show them the, the short and the light bulb and such. When you do come across that strictly unexplainable supernatural event, it changes your life. It changes your world. And I've had people leave my team in tears not wanting to come back because when we do this type of investigation and there's no other explanations left, they're sitting to the side thinking whether or not they still believe in God in the way that they did. And that to me is just exciting. I am that goth kid that grew up in a weird (laughs) house and I saw stuff and I experienced things. And I even wrote it in my memoirs about what I experienced and I push forward into that world of the unknown, both in my paranormal investigating, but also in my writings as a Lovecraftian author. The things that appear in my novels, I either pull from threads, from imagination, but I also pull from experiences I've had. So that's kind of where I stand on things. I like where we're starting on this. So there was a an investigation. We'll, we'll start off by calling it a paranormal investigation. In sure. the Beaver Dunes Park, and and I think maybe our our end result may not be as paranormal as uh, some people may hope. You had the opportunity to investigate Oklahoma's Bermuda Triangle. Can you yep. kind of tell sure. us about your investigation? 
Sure. And it had many layers, but I'll try to break it down. So, folks, if you haven't heard of this before, the Beaver Dunes Park in Oklahoma's Panhandle is known for it's uh, it's a great place for like ATV riders. There's 300 acres of sand dunes that they uh, a co-worker of mine, Gordon Savage, he goes up there almost every weekend and goes dune bugging. So when I first started this investigation, I actually had people that were on site every weekend that I was able to interview. So I started there and that's really where you want to go to. So as I began this investigation, which the idea of this, of this, I should say, how do I put this urban legend? Let's call it an urban legend. Okay. For right now, there were reports that dated back to the 1500s that there were passages that were underneath the beaver dunes. Like you could go into like cavernous areas and there was, uh, it's considered to be like, it's got the reputation of being like a no man's land. And as you say, the Oklahoma Bermuda's Triangle. But the problem was is the, the dune bug years told me absolutely not. There's no openings there whatsoever. They've rode every inch of that place. And if there was, there would be a big sign that says, do not drive dune buggy into this hole somewhere <laughs> up there. So that right there was the first clue that I had that there was something amiss. You go into the legend of it, where it all came out from is that there was supposedly a report that dates back to Coronado where Native Americans had tried to warn Coronado that there were dangers inside the dunes and he didn't listen. And the result was, according to this legend, that three of his men disappeared into paranormal flashes of green light while exploring the area. And after the light engulfed them, there was no sign of them. According to the legend, the uh, Coronado, which it, it is true, the, the Spanish were very litigious. So whenever they came over in boats, they didn't just come over uh, with you know, workers and laborers and seamen, they came over with lawyers. They came over with priests that documented every day, given accounts of who was on the ship. So allegedly, there was a report of this. Taking all that evidence into place, I moved to more modern reports. And some of the legends had evolved to say there were men in black style personnel that had been spotted digging around the area that followed reports of a UFO crash. So Again, we have lots of layers here that suggest that there's some kind of a paranormal UFO alien presence that's underneath the ground that smoked these conquistadors and have since been a, um, a thing of interest for the United States military. That's a lot of what if. So I follow Occam's razor. That suggests that you take the answer that has the least amount of assumptions. So in other words, if you have a light that's flickering on and off, and you say it's a ghost, well, now we have to assume ghosts are real. We have to assume ghosts <laughs> right. can affect the environment. You have to assume that they're only doing it when you're there, so you assume the ghost realize who you are. Or, assumption one, you got to shorten the light socket, which is one assumption versus like a dozen, right? right? Using Occam's razor, you go into this, and uh, first thing I did was I contacted the sheriff's department for beavers, uh, for the beaver dunes to find out if there was indeed any kind of a parks and rec, uh, hopefully Ron Swanson, that would be able to talk to me. <laughs> and the unfortunately, according to the Beaver County Sheriff's Department, there is no authority that's over the Beaver Dunes. The sheriff will respond if there's an accident or something, but there's no park rangers that are out there doing anything. Well, I, so it, it is. I think I'm. I may be wrong here, but in 2011, they threatened to actually close the park down, and then it was purchased by the city so 
I guess the city would have the jurisdiction over the park yep. if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. You're you're absolutely right, but they have no park rangers right. that are going out there right. to monitor it. And one of the things that a park ranger would do is they have to map out the area so that way if you have a missing person, they can grid it off and be able to do a search party. A lot of search and rescues do that. So without that element in place, you're back to evidence of testimony from people that are out there. And I quite frankly, the doom buggers were the, the, the best ones for that. According to the sheriff's department, there's no on-site management. So next thing I did was I went to the OU, Oklahoma University Geology Department, contacted their staff. I copied all of their professors on an email and basically said, hey, I'm this crazy paranormal guy. Please don't <laughs> immediately put me into spam. This is the legend of the of the dunes uh, of the you know the beaver dunes and what's going on there and through good con- conveyance back and forth and the only thing they st- <laughs> the only thing that they said was don't use our names in anything because <laughs> I they like to keep their tenure so uh, I just sourced them as anonymous but they went out of their way first thing they did was they gave me a topographical map of the area and explained to me in great detail and they didn't treat me like a dummy that was nice. But they uh, basically came up with the idea. First of all, there's no caverns underneath. Here's the the map that we have of the area that gives you density levels of the sand. I was like, okay, so there's no tunnels. Was there ever a tunnel there? And they they basically said, let me say this again slower. It's sand. So it's going to collapse in on itself. So, you know. Sometimes you uh, you come across experts that, that give you uh, an analysis that's hard to read. Thankfully, the OU department did not make this hard to read. It's a sand dune. So there's no way that there could be a cavern there. It would have collapsed in on itself long ago. Mm-hmm. Now, in the surrounding rock faces, for sure, there could be cavernous areas, and they provided that map for me. But it's going to break the tradition saying that uh, if Native Americans warned Coronado of the sand dunes, wouldn't they have warned him of the rocks surrounding the sand dunes instead? And the legend would be completely different. So I pursued the Coronado angle and I went into a heavy research pattern to see if I could find, because if there was some report of Coronado that had said, yeah, there was a paranormal flash going on, that would show up somewhere. So I went into that research and thankfully, after I published my article where I said I did not find any examples of that research, I got contacted by an anonymous source that I won't give here. She was a paranormal investigator. She tracked down the man that in the 1990s or maybe in the 80s that made this hoax. So this guy came up with this idea of Coronado's people being blasted by this light source. Now, I didn't put it in my article on my blog because quite frankly, it's hearsay, but she knew a lot of details that she should not have known that I did not publish. So it led me to believe that she had boots on the ground information that gave her credibility. So this woman went after this guy and kept pestering him until he sent her the information that proved that absolutely this was a hoax. And she wrote a book about it. So what this guy basically did was that he wanted to turn hits onto his website so he created the legend of the beaver dunes god and he uh manufactured <laughs> the coronado's loss of personnel because it could never be ver- verified he was kind of smart about it because coronado's 
documentation that his people made are all locked away. So it isn't like I can go to a museum and say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for some UFOs that blasted some of Coronado's people. Do you have that? <laughs> I mean, I would be let out in handcuffs, right? So right. the second thing is, is that the dunes itself, they're sand dunes. So it's kind of hard to be able to pinpoint where it is. So it's easy to make up a fictitious lie and for people to go, well, anything could be out there. Right. So unlike the center of the universe in Tulsa, where you can go downtown and stand on that spot and try it for yourself, this becomes ambiguous, and so people can't go out there. Once I got that information, I pinged her back some questions, and I was just like, you're a badass. Thank you so much for <laughs> right diligence. That's awesome. She kind of rode away on her white horse, and you know, we, uh, we kind of said, thank you, Long Ranger, and we didn't communicate with her anymore because she made her point. It's completely fictitious, and not only that, it came from a troll. And not the cool <laughs> trolls, but but the, uh, the ones that the internet kind. Right. So and you know that kind of leaks into what we do. We've had several investigations where we've been called in by real estate agents that have a building that is reported to be haunted, and believe it or not, it affects the sell value of the building. So they bring our teams in to take a look at these buildings, do readings, do a sincere investigation of the place, and more importantly. Try to figure out how the heck these rumors got started in the first place and whether it's by someone trying to purposely devalue the house for some reason, which is very rare. Most of the time, it's just urban legend that somebody started that heard it from somebody that overheard it at a bar. So it's not valid at all. That was the final consensus. The Beaver Dunes, the Shaman's Portal, it's all made up. Well, to put um, uh, to put one more final nail in in the uh, coffin here, Brett and I did a little bit of research on our own. We can't find a single person that has ever gone missing in Beaver County ever, and that's one of the things you know. All these people mysteriously disappear there. There's no missing persons reports dating back as far as we could find. Well, what that tells me is it's a safe place to live. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> And not only that, it's a safe place to have recreational vehicles and have Absolutely. fun. Gordo, uh, Gordon, whenever I talk to him about it, he's up there every weekend. They have massive, like they had a Halloween gathering where that they decorated their ATVs with Halloween decorations. They do, they ride all year round. This has been going on for a decade or more. And if there was an opening up there, somebody would have dropped a latitude and longitude down on a map. And posted it up on Google so people wouldn't drive their AV, ATV head first into a tunnel to get zapped by green light. Right? Sure, sure. So, we, you know, the other thing you were kind of talking about how investigators go into real estate areas and, and determine whether or not it's haunted or not. I also think it's a hype generator. I think you put a lot of asses in seats in your restaurant if you're reputed or reported to be haunted. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, so in the, the hotel industry, as well as restaurants, so let's call it those two types, they'll put themselves on the map by saying that sometimes that bites them in the ass. So yeah. like the Crescent Hotel, our team last year was getting up for a road trip to go down there because, you know, we've got wish lists on our, you know, I got a bucket list. We want to check out some things before we exit this world. So we called the Crescent Hotel and to set up a time when we can come down and the new owner said, May, they may have changed their stand after this, but they were like, we have new owners that are Christians and they want to ignore that this ever happened. And so we're not allowing any investigations to go on here. And that's the, the Shining Hotel, right? So 
you know, so be it. But you have other ones that want to get on the map. Sure. That's the way to do it. Here's the problem. A lot of it's made up. Well, um, and just to touch back on the shaman's portal a little bit, I, I want to use it as a, a point to compliment you because there are a lot of major news sources, reputable in air quotes, news sources that regurgitate that story without doing the least little bit of research. So I really appreciate what you're doing. The fact that you have an open mind, but you really, you know, you're going to look at the facts and, and let, I, the, let the uh, conclusion end up being what it should be. That's what we deal in. You've got a new book coming out. Is that right? Yep. Can you yeah, tell? I've got, I had three, uh, I have a 10 book series for a Lovecraftian uh, adventure series that's centered out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So like the story conceives inside of Tulsa and then it kind of branches out after that. So you have a lot of Tulsa landmarks that are in that and then Oklahoma City landmarks as well. That is, uh, I had three books out. They needed a, a brand overhaul because the story was, you know, it's, it's okay. And it just needed a professional editor on scene because I'm horrible at grammar. I'm a storyteller, but <laughs> holy cow. I think my editor was on suicide watch for over a week. <laughs> so he delved into it. And once he got done, the first book is being re-released. The other, there's four, uh, three others in the series that are already written, but they're pulled from the shelves pending a rebranding, uh, new cover. And you can see that on bowlewellen.com. Also on that website, I have our most significant cases that we have up. I was just at the Tulsa race riots, uh, speaking event where they revealed the evidence because our team offered our assistance to the physical evidence committee, Dr. Scott Ellsworth. Dr. Ellsworth uh, said officially he did not uh, request our presence, but he would be very interested in hearing our findings and our, uh, what we got. So we organized a hunt with the Oklahoma metal detecting team. Out of Oklahoma City, we had metal detecting professionals come in from two states away, and we went through Oakland Cemetery, and we found 111 clusters of hits of gold, silver, iron, foil that were two to two and a half feet down beneath ground wow. in areas where graves had not been dug. I don't know why. The tombstones just seemingly stopped and then restart. And it corresponded with evidence given in testimony by eyewitnesses before their death where uh, the coordinates that we had lined up were right where they said the bodies had been dumped off of flatbed trailers into open graves. Hey, Bo. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that. It, it, that we had just, you know, we talked about it the other day before we, you know, we were booking you for the interview. And CBS had posted the story about discovering the mass graves. But I think... It's interesting that it's on the heels of the Watchmen series that's that's centered around the race riots and based in Tulsa. I just thought those were kind of interesting connections. Those are interesting connections. So let's talk about the interesting connections. Synchronicity is something that I look in an investigation as strongly as I do physical evidence. I look at hearsay as leads, not as evidence. If I see two things corresponding, in other words, if a client, and I've had this happen before, says that they're seeing ghosts appearing on their walls. And then I look and I see about knee level, there are bite marks taken out of the drywall where the dog is attacking the ghosts that are appearing on the walls. That's a synchronicity. In other words, you have dog doesn't understand the language of its owners. Most, you know, it's not going to attack a wall. And it, after it would attack the wall, it would have a seizure. Uh, it scared it so bad. 
that's a synchronicity. When you have two unrelated things happening that suggest the same thing. So whenever you look at a situation like this and you see there's no graves dug in the area where the clusters are at, that's a synchronicity. If you have this Watchmen series come out and then Tulsa suddenly seems to be interested in trying to discover these bodies, uh, that's a synchronicity that's worthy of contemplation. I'm not saying it says anything. I'm just saying that's <laughs> that's noteworthy, right? right? So I was prepared to give my evidence that night. It was two nights ago whenever the live stream was up and the mayor was talking. And I was invited there by an author by the name of Ross to speak about my evidence because it suggested a different narrative than what was being spoken of. For sure, these are professional archaeologists that are working on this case. So you have to uh, definitely take what they say into account. Whenever I got there, the mayor said uh, we were going to be taking open questions from the public. However, you're going to have to write down your questions on a card and the committee will select which ones are going to be read. Oh, and immediately boy. I was like, uh, we're out of here. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is not like they're not going to have me come up and say, OK, you guys have found, quote unquote, 10 to 100 possible bodies in areas using ground penetrating radar, which, by the way, can't tell you anything. And we have metal detectors that are finding gold, tin, and foil, which could be used in their fillings, could be belt buckles, it could be watches that are just somehow two and a half feet down. So that would be like the three of us going out to a cemetery, taking a gold watch, dropping it on the ground, and then taking a spike and pushing it down two and a half feet for no freaking reason. Right. Right. And then doing it again over a hundred times in clusters. Why? Right. Yeah. I sent that evidence to to two, six, eight, twenty three in the Tulsa world. I sent it to a couple of activists. And honestly, I haven't heard anything back. I even sent it to Pat Campbell, a radio personality on the AM dial. You don't hear anything. It's not that I'm trying to create a conspiratorial narrative. What I'm trying to do is present evidence and let people make up their mind. But right now, these hardworking metal detecting professionals that came in to donate their time they were a bit sketchy about it too. I started off with 40 of them. Only six arrived because the rest of them, quite honestly, were a little iffy on how what would happen if they actually did find the bodies, right? Right. Well, Bo, you've just got a ton of things going on. You've got books coming out. You've got investigations, locations. Tell us how to, to get a, a better grasp of the information. Sure. I, I would love for folks to find my, my website, bolewellen.com. On there, you'll find at the bottom of the page my link to my Facebook author page. I would love anyone to go in there and like on there. I, I'm just a novice author trying to make my way in the indie world, trying to get a, an agent to pick me up, just like everyone else is that's trying to write. It's a struggle. I adore writing. So if you like H.P. Lovecraft and you like Oklahoma referenced in horror thriller novels, you like a fun read, my book's coming out. Deadline is coming up January 1st. And uh, I've got my memoirs on Amazon as well. If you also like the paranormal, I post our most significant cases up on my website as well. I love the paranormal, man. It is. <laughs> my interests feed upon themselves. The paranormal adventures that I've had feed into my books. And you have to wind up doing something that you're passionate about, but in an honest, authentic way. Be honest with who you are and what you're doing. And that's what I do. I've, I've worked at this for 21 years now. 
as a paranormal investigator, I've made massive mistakes in my time. But uh, I think the uh, best way to be able to negotiate life is to look where you tripped and not where you fell and take ownership of your of the issues. So that way that you can proceed forward with a, an honest approach to life. So if folks would like to see honest evidence and honest appraisals without creating a narrative that suggests my own point of view, in other words, I don't come to conclusions. I don't say the dune sees in my writing at least like here i know i said that it's a hoax but you know you're asking my opinion but in my writings i let people come up with their own opinions about what this is and that's that's i think is the investigative way yeah, an investigator comes up with evidence a journalist or a blogger uh, will come up with their own opinions and you and those editorial opinion pieces are good too that's not my bailiwick i enjoy trying to present evidence because if I give you two a narrative where all the evidence is presented and then you two can come up with your own opinion at the end of it and you don't feel bamboozled or feel like I'm trying to promote myself by creating evidence, you're more likely to trust me the next time, right? Well, absolutely. Well, Bo, we appreciate you being on the show. We hope to have you on again. I know you've got a lot of things on the horizon. We'd love to have you back if you'd be willing to do so. A hundred percent. It's been a pleasure, guys. I really appreciated the conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it too and uh, to everyone in the audience i uh, appreciate you listening absolutely you know what you're getting lost in your ipad or if you still have a zoom are we on or is our show available on zoom still it is it is yeah um if you're star lord you can pick up pick up our show on on your zoom but tell your friends tell your family if you if you manage to go to the oklahoma bermuda triangle and come back in one piece and have a story to tell, you got to tell everybody where you heard about it first, right here, only in OK Show. Absolutely. Yeah, but if you want uh, to find some more of Bo's writing, find a little more information about Bo and his paranormal yeah. investigations across the great book. state, uh, yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Clean Ashes, Memoirs of an Oklahoma Paranormal Investigator. Well, this has been the only in OK Show. I'm Brett. And I'm Harley, and we're out of here. Peace. Are you ready to get lost in the next episode of the Only an OK Show? Because the boys are back in town, and this time they're headed to Oklahoma's Bermuda Triangle. So bust out your Bermuda shorts, it's time to set sail. <laughs> You're welcome. I missed this kind of... Take I it with you, it's yours. No, I know. That's you. That's me. And this is you. Bigfoot it's- map. Oh, is that from the leftovers from... I have no idea. Yeah. Tonight, we uncover the mystery that is coming up next. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. All right, all right, all right. Here's the deal, man. All right, all right. <laughs> we, I thought we hired a McConaughey impressionist. No, the ad said kind of McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> but kind of hey. <laughs> I just give you a little bit to make you go, yeah, he kind of sounds like it. You want the real thing. That's going to be like $10 million a show. All right. Boom, boom, baby. One, three, two, one. Here, let's go. Welcome to the show. Tonight, we're going to go 
somewhere that we've never actually been before. Yes, we're going to talk to our buddy Bo about the Bermuda Triangle. You like that? No, that dude that is horrible. Come on. Come on, dude. All right, you ready? Yes. Three, two, one. It's time to have some fun. Harley puts a barbell in his buns. Dude, you put a barbell between your buns. Can we please Three, get Three, two, one. Out? Yes. Three, two, one. 